what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. Brothers in Tech is a weekly podcast focused on personal and home technology, helping provide you, our fellow brothers and sisters in tech, with some information, assistance, and recommendations. Although it may have been a badge of honor to have five remote controls on your coffee table back in the day, times have changed. There's no longer a need for device-specific remote controls, and in some cases, any physical remotes at all. In this episode, the brothers discuss the current state of the remote control, some pros and cons of different remote types, and their predictions of the future for these devices. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Brothers in Tech here on the Mesh.TV podcast network. My name is Alan Jackson, and over, if you're listening on audio, the next voice you're going to hear is my brother, Brian Jackson. If you're watching on video, he is to my right, I believe. Correct? That way? I'm nope. Just, this I'm, way. Nope. Other way. This way. Other way. This there way. Go. There nope. we go. All right. We got it coordinated now. Hey, so, Alan, how are you? I'm good. Good, 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 good. good. We are on video yeah. again. We're really kind of getting used to this whole video thing. I, I don't know what to do with my hands. So I'm, I'm kind of struggling. <laughs> struggling. Hands what to do? What? Hands I don't together. know. Should yeah. I be here? Should I be right. here? Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. this is good. I mean, you know, we, we always have video running when we're recording these shows in the past, but we were just recording audio. But it, it makes sense, I think, in a way that, you know, since we are talking about a lot of things, technology, there's a lot of things that we want to show a lot of things we can highlight and video just makes it a much easier way to do that. So we did start officially with a video version of the show with our last episode. So yeah. uh, that can be found um, on our website. We do have a website up for our show brothers in tech. So it Ooh. is brothers in tech, but with dashes. So brothers dash in dash tech.com is the website where you can go and not only listen to older uh, audio episodes of the show, or you can actually see the latest video version as well. Plus you got a way you can contact us. And we'll talk about that at the end of the show. If you've got some ideas or suggestions, ways to show, uh, share with us, we'd love to hear from you. Um, this is our technology discussion show. This is Brian and I get together on a regular basis. We kind of started this show with the idea of helping or being a resource for anybody out there that may be the the family tech person that's, you you know who you are. If that, if you already uh, fit that description, that's the person that if uh, someone in the family has a technology need question, phone's not working. Why is my TV not streaming? Right. Whatever it may be, we're the ones that get called. And we thought, you know, let's try to be a resource for our fellow brotherhood of uh, and sisterhood of uh, tech, tech people out there. So we want to be a resource talking about different forms and uh, things when it rel- relates to home technology, family technology, things you could use in your everyday personal life. We're not going to get into enterprise, uh, big corporate tech at all. That's not really what our show is about. It's about stuff you use and could use every day in your in your home and personal lives. So that's why we're here, right, Brian? So that's it. That's it. And you know, and even if you're in our situation where our family calls one of us. And then once that person who maybe is a little bit more local than the other one, once that person screws up and doesn't, <laughs> doesn't fix things, then yeah. there's the person they call to, yeah. to fix the fix. So, um, yeah, I right. mean, I think regardless what this, this podcast is good for all of you, uh, if you're the fixer or if you're the fixer of the fixer. So, uh, I'm not going to name names, um, about, yeah. you know, who, who, who goes in each one of those, uh, those mm-hmm. situations, but yeah. No, I think this has been fun. Alan, you know, I, I don't know if you recognize this. I think we've, we have had, well, it's been, it's been two years that we've been doing this. So I'm pretty yeah. sure we're over a hundred episodes. I don't remember us having a big gala, you know, for our hundredth episode, but we got to be close, right? I mean, 52 weeks a year, we've done two, two years. So I'm pretty sure there might've been a missed week here and there, mm. but you know, All right, we're gonna have we, to check we probably on that. should have had a big celebration of that. But. Well, we're gonna have to check on that because yes, if we do have a one hundred, even if we missed our one hundredth, um, I think we can make up for it and kind of have a uh, have a fake celebratory one hundredth episode, even if it's like one hundred five or one hundred eight or something. Uh, we'll we do a count. And delete like five are. of them or something. There's several that I wouldn't mind deleting. There's, we oh, can go back and there's about <laughs> sixty five of them. I'm I'm fine deleting if we did want to like just get rid of them. So that's right. So yeah. we'll have our hundredth later this year. Um, that's right. So that'd be great. Yeah. 
All right. Well, let's keep keep going, Alan. I'm excited. Let's talk about today's topic. Okay, Brian, this is something, and and I'll go ahead and say, you brought up this topic, and I I know it's one that you you have a little more exposure to than I do, but we are going to talk about remote controls, um, the devices we use to control our devices when we're sitting uh, away from the TV or, or anywhere else. You know, of course, you, you and I grew up, I mean, I, I don't, well, I'm a few years older than you, Brian. Remember the actually getting up and having to physically walk over to the TV <laughs> set to change the channels or fix the antenna if it's not working right. When remote controls came about in the, I guess, what, early 80s, I guess is about yeah. the time, maybe late 70s, early 80s, at least, at least in our household is about the time they started coming into existence. Uh, it was a huge game changer, but um, the the thing with remote controls though is that they were very specific to one device. Meaning, you had a remote control for your TV when you got a VCR later on. They had a remote control, and that that remote control was for that VCR. So, you you, you sometimes had that whole assortment of the remotes on your on your uh, coffee table uh, to just control one for VHS, one for DVD when that came around, one for your TV, one for your sound system. And, um, that's, uh, you know, they did the trick, but, uh, for people like me that always drove me crazy. So when universal remotes or kind of your idea of a remote control, that would be a one device to control multiple things. Um, when those started to come around, that was, that was pretty big for me. I got really good at programming remote, uh, universal remote controls, Brian, I don't know about you, but back in the nineties and two thousands, that was kind of my thing. I got really good at buying those remote controls and, uh, and, and getting them. Do you, do you recall? I'm going to yeah, go ahead were, and share you, because you were, again, you were really big at parties, Alan. You were really big oh, at I parties. I was. People, people loved it. I was so big. You came into parties. Anybody got a remote, universal there. remote you need to program? I'm, I'm here to do it, man. I'm ready. Um, Give me a like, beer. take a look at this. You recognize these guys? This oh, is like yeah. uh, the old uh, GE General Electric. I mean, these are the ones you could buy at any, uh, 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 drugstore, you could buy it, you know, even at grocery stores or anywhere else that's sold. Radio Shack. Had, you remember going oh, to Radio Shack? Tons of Radio right? Shack. Have like yeah. uh, tons and tons of universals. Yep. Mm-hmm. So the idea is you buy this device and then you go through a process of programming it to work with all of your other devices so that you can chuck those other remotes and just use this one. Now, I do all that as preface to say, Brian, that the world of remote controls has changed quite a bit. We've got a lot of, uh, uh, a lot of different things happening now in terms of remotes. So why don't you tell me right now, Brian, your situation? Like what what do you use for remote controls? We've got a lot of devices. We've got streaming boxes. We've got TVs. We've got sound systems. What's your current situation on, on uh, universal remotes and uh, and why why is that? Okay, so this is this is confessional time, right? This okay. is where where I bear my soul in terms of my remote control issues. Um Okay, so each each TV that I have has a remote control, um, and of course, each of those TVs is connected to some sort of streaming box. So I have, you know, I have a, a Roku in one uh, one room. I have a, a Chromecast in another room. I have an Apple TV in another room. Okay, and each of those has their own remote. Uh, I do not have consistency in my remotes. I used to. Uh, I will say, I, I for a while I had two. Harmony remotes, and we'll talk about Harmony in a little bit, who are kind of the big the big boys in this uh, universal area. But had two, uh, they have the exact same remote control, one in the family room, one in the living room. And they were both, you know, programmed to do different things, different TVs, different Apple TVs, that sort of thing. And it was great, right? You could go into one room, pick up the remote, you knew exactly what the buttons were going to do. You knew exactly mm-hmm. how to turn the TV on, all of that. But then I started, uh, you know, unfortunately getting to the point where those were getting a little bit old to where I couldn't update them anymore. And that's one of the challenges we'll get to in a little while as well, is that as they became more uh, technologically savvy and can be, you know, programmed to do lots of new things, they stopped allowing you to update them because they wanted you to get to their new um, their new versions, which would do a lot more things. So. So now I'm to the point that both of those remotes are too old to where I really can't update them if I had any new devices uh, that were coming online. Um, but I will say I I have I can't remember the last time I used an actual remote for a TV. 
to the, the, the device that came with the TV. I can't remember the last time I touched one of those. Um, so either in one, one room right now, I am using an Apple TV, uh, remote, which I know you, uh, you, uh, are using. Mm-hmm. So I finally got it kind of working so that it will turn on my TV, that it'll control my sound bar and that it'll control the Apple TV because that's everything that I use in that room. But in another room, I have a, a fairly sophisticated Harmony, uh, a newer version that will allow me to do lots of things. And, and of course, I'm not using it nearly to the extent that it uh, should be. But so I am still a I'm a physical remote person. I am a universal remote person. Uh, I, I get very frustrated thinking about, you know, the days where I had four remotes sitting in front of me at a coffee table and, you know, you'd pick up one for the DVD, you'd pick up one for the, the, uh, the audio system, you'd pick up one for the TV. Um, so that makes me incredibly nervous, the, the lack of efficiency there. So I'm, I'm a big universal remote person. Um, although I'm not, I'm not sold on having to have a purchased, uh, remote, you know, the universal remote if the device that comes with the system itself can be programmed to do some other things as well. Uh, but I'm a, you know, we'll talk a little bit about kind of, you know, from our own pros and cons of different types of remotes. But uh, so that's my system right now is that every room has a remote that has a TV, has a remote to it. And it's only one. It's all set up so that one remote, you pick it up and turn the TV on. You can control the volume the way it's supposed to go and control the the streaming box. Um, so, Unfortunately, they're all different. <laughs> There's no consistency across my my different rooms of TVs right now. So, sure. what about you, Alan? Uh, the exact time. opposite. Yeah, yeah. Like, just yeah. Yeah, no. I'm no. I, mine is extremely simple, and and part of why I didn't bring up this topic of remote controls is because I don't really use. I mean, definitely no universal remotes. I, I my mine are pretty simple. Um, you know, I, as I've mentioned before on previous episodes, I mean, pretty much the Apple TV is our, is our entire television viewing experience. I don't really go outside of the Apple TV for hardly anything. So the Apple TV remote, because the Apple TV can also allow you to use the remote to control your sound on your volume, on your speakers or sound system. And because it can turn on and off the TV, then really the Apple TV remote is all we need. Now, that being said, um, I do have a home theater set up in my in my house. I've talked about as well. And the one thing that we learned with that is that the uh, uh, Apple TV remote will not control or turn on and off projectors. It has to have it, it, it has to have what's there has to be a kind of technology in place. It's called uh, a. Uh, um, oh gosh, I already forgot the name of it. Uh, ARC, uh, ARC, HDMI yep. ARC yep. has to be the port on your TV or whatever device you're plugging into with your Apple TV box or your Google, um, uh, Amazon fire TV box, anything has to be the, normally one of the ports on your TV has a, it's called an ARC port. And what that means is it allows another device to have some control over that device. So for example, if your Apple TV box is plugged into your TV and it's plugged in by HDMI to that ARC enabled port on the TV, then you can tell your Apple TV that if you turn it off or put it in standby, that it can automatically turn off your TV. Now, a lot of this happens automatically. I guarantee a lot of people may not even realize they're plugging into a particular port on their TV. Normally, it's the first port. It's the most default one anyway that's enabled to do this. Um, So a lot of people may not even realize that they've got that set up the way it is. But yes, most of these streaming devices can automatically control power on and off for your TV and volume control for your sound system, which means you can do everything you need to do from that one singular remote. My issue with a projector is the projector does not have an ARC port. So even though I'm connected by HDMI to my projector, I can't automatically power on and off using my Apple TV remote. Mm-hmm. So, But you, you could um, with the universal, right? Because with it, a universal it an IR. Yes. Right. Yes. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. I have okay. not gotten to that point. Uh, yeah, baby steps getting my theater set up and working the way I want it to. Remote controls is something I'm now looking at and interested in. So, Brian, let let's just kind of remind everybody again. So, again, we're talking about when we there are device specific remotes and then yep. there are universal remotes. 
the Apple TV remote we've been using as example is kind of an in-between. It, it in that it is meant for the Apple TV. That is the device it is meant to control. You use it to navigate your menus and uh, press on items on your Apple TV when you're watching it. But the fact that it can, through some of that other wiring technology, control your sound and control your um, your TV power, it yeah. makes it a pseudo-universal remote for those purposes, right? Yeah, yeah. Except I would go a little further, though, and say a lot of the new devices, their remotes have a universal portion to them or a universal feature yeah. to them. So, you know, you buy a Samsung TV and you look at the remote and realize at the top, it's got some buttons for, you know, uh, cable uh, or uh, audio, some of those things, and they're programmable. So they, they've kind of decided, you know, if, if we don't do this to our own devices that we put out there, our own remotes, people are never going to use them because people are going to want to use a universal. So let's make ours have a learning function, something like that. So some of them, you know, will do that. That's certainly where the Apple TV, the beauty of the Apple TV remote though, I think is that it's, um, sure. It can be programmed to do some other things, uh, control video. I'm coming, sorry, control audio from your, uh, your sound system. Uh, it can turn your TV on, um, but it's also, you know, software based so that you can make some of those adjustments via the Apple TV box itself, rather than having to go through that tedious, you know, coding that you were so mm-hmm. good at, at as a kid, um, you know, so really your skill, it. your skill has gone, unfortunately, know. you know, I don't get any by more the, calls by the way about, of travel agents and all these other, I don't get any more calls about computer. programming a universal remote with a three digit code anymore. So that's. <laughs> Yeah. It's a good thing you're married now, right? Because getting dates would be so much harder, right? Than it used to be when you used to kind of throw out your remote control skills. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, no, I would say that, you know, there's the way I would kind of look at it is there's universal remotes to where you're going to buy the remote not linked to a particular device. And then there are device specific remotes that may have a universal component to them. Uh, They're made for that device. And then they have a secondary feature that says, oh, well, it'll also allow you to turn everything on. You know, a, a good example, I go to uh, an in-law, my in-law's house and they have DirecTV. And of course you can program it to make sure that DirecTV, when you push the all on button, it's going to turn on the TV and mm-hmm. maybe even a sound system. I think you can potentially program that, but you're still going to be any control you have after that is for the DirecTV. So it's going to make sure right. you are engaged in that system, but you can at least get rid of your other TV remote and put it aside and only use one. So I think that that's been a really helpful thing that's happened in the last, you know, 15, 20 years is that everybody is trying to move away from having multiple remotes. The problem is they're trying to get you to use their remote, which is always going to be skewed towards that device somehow, right? Even the Apple TV remote, it's skewed toward that device. You're not going to be using it to do fast forward on your DVD and do these other things, right. That are going to be. Well, and plus Brian, let's just kind of be honest about the whole Apple TV remote. (laughs) Um, There's another reason you may not want to use the app, the remote that's provided by Apple, because at least if it's one of the ones on the left-hand side of the screen, uh, they, they're pretty bad. Um, You know, that's the thing is that uh, as much as I love my Apple TV, the remote is not great. Uh, At least the ones on the left-hand side, the, the ones all in black. Um, so Alan, tell us, tell us why they're, why they're not great. I certainly have my issues, but you tell me why it's not great to you. Well, for me, the biggest thing I think that people have a hard time with is that top half is a trackpad, meaning your finger can glide around it and move just like a trackpad on a laptop. And that helps you navigate. Now I'm okay with that, but it's, it's tough for a lot of people to kind of get used to when remotes are typically, you know, button based and more, more physical button based. The biggest thing with the Apple TV remote, and luckily I've got the one in the middle that has the white ring around the menu that helps a yep. little bit, but <laughs> we, is, is not knowing which direction is up because it's a very uniform physical device. Um, so many yes. times I have it flipped around, I'm pressing the wrong buttons because I've got it upside down by accident because it's very hard to tell. They put that white ring around, around the menu button as solely a way to say, look, we want you to know which side of this is up. But it's still right. just not great. Um, the whole reason they eventually did move to the one you see on the far right is because of so much feedback they got from users. And uh, yeah. as you can see, the one on the right is a little more, it's still got that directional pad on the top, but it's a little more traditional 
a little more intuitive, I think, for people. And you definitely don't have the issue of not knowing which side is up with it anymore on that. So. And Alan, I haven't I haven't used the one on the right. I, I've been very tempted actually to upgrade to one of those um, because I'm a big fan of physical buttons and I'm not a huge touchpad person. I find that it's very temperamental. Um, is that a is that a touchpad or is that a clickable wheel? Do you know? That That's a, a good question. Yeah, I think it's clickable only because I it's got so those too. little dots on the outside that, that indicates more of a click surface. But honestly, I haven't got to try it to see. I don't know if yeah. it still operates where gliding your finger across that that circular pad will act the same way, or if everything is very click based on the four yeah. four yeah. Uh, four sides of the circle. Um, but a lot of people I've talked to that said they have it say they they really like it. It's a huge improvement. Yeah. Much better. Um, mm-hmm. So that's that's good. And there is a mute button or a sound off, not mute, but sound off button. If you notice on the uh, bottom left corner, which is not something you have on the previous version. So yeah. that does allow you to mute all the sound coming out of your sound, your, your TV or sound system, which is really nice. Um, yeah. Instead of having to just press the volume all the way down to kind of get it to turn down or having to pause what you're, what you're doing. So, and they also, um, they also move the, the Siri button to the side, I think, right? The side of the remote yes. instead of... there's a little, if you can see on the right-hand right. side, there's on the right-hand side, there's a little slight indention. I think that's where it is. And you're right, that's yep. the, where the Siri... Because I'm hitting the Siri button all the time on the old ones um, by accident. Mm. So, yep. so um, you know, even though I use the Apple TV remote because it is convenient and it, it, it controls the main device I'm using uh, and it does control my volume on my sound system and all, uh, boy, I really am not a big fan of the remote control itself, the physical form yep. of the of the the one we've got. So, yeah. So, Alan, you know, I I was at your house not long ago uh, in the mm-hmm. holidays, and I did notice that you had um, kind of an add on to your Apple uh, Apple TV remote, it's mm-hmm. like a little rubber condom, you know, that you put on the outside of yes. it, right? It's my remote so, condom. That's what I, that's what we call it in the house. All the kids so because because of that. seeing that, I actually purchased one myself, right? Yeah. Which gets past the the issue that you brought up earlier of picking it up and not knowing which side is up. That was the yeah. whole reason I I bought this was that I want to make sure that when I pick it up, I actually know which side is up without having to look down at it and 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 all of that. Um, so that's a help, and I would say that if anybody has that and really has just been so frustrated with the uh, um, the use of the remote that helps it certainly mm-hmm. helps and that you can recognize physically uh, which side is up so yeah. um, well so, well let's talk just a second about maybe you know we we've mentioned kind of some of the pros and cons of the remotes like going universal versus not I mean why would you buy a universal well mm-hmm. if you've got to control lots of different things there's another piece that I want to mention about universals though that um, you know, a lot of the a lot of the devices that we have have stopped stopped using IR as mm-hmm. the way of controlling them. Have gone more to maybe Wi-Fi, something like that, yeah. or Bluetooth. Um, so, for those who don't know, IR you know is the the infrared. Um, it's what all remotes used to use. Uh, it's the little red screen or little piece of plastic on the device itself. You had to make sure your remote was pointed towards it, couldn't be obstructed. Um, and that's how you controlled your remote and remotes have gotten a lot better recently to where one, you don't have to have an unobstructed view, right? You could actually be holding it down by your side and click and, uh, be able to control that. But by using things like Bluetooth and Wi-Fi, right, then you can control those devices no matter where you are, as long as it has that, um, that proximity connection. The problem with that is that now if you've got that occurring, your old universal remote, which may only work with IR, may not be able to do those features, right? I mean, you've got a universal remote that just, like you you pulled up earlier, it's just you're going to program it, do all IR things. Some of those things aren't going to be that helpful for the devices Mm -hmm. that we have now. So that's one of the reasons why higher-end universal remotes have become so popular is because they can actually broadcast in multiple ways. They can broadcast in Wi-Fi and in IR, and some of them mean even Bluetooth to be able to make sure it can connect with your device the way that you want it to. So, so I would say that's one consideration. I know we'll list out some considerations a little bit, but the way in which 
that signal needs to be sent to your device. So if you're someone who has some new age devices as well as some older ones, if you've got a mix of those things, then you got to be very careful about getting a, a universal remote or assuming that your TV remote can be programmed to work your Apple TV, right? Some of those things. Yeah, and that's right? the biggest challenge. I think that's why so many of those inexpensive universal remotes that we used to see for so long, like I brought up the example of earlier, aren't really viable anymore because they right. will not control a Amazon Fire TV box. They will not control an Apple TV box. They will not control right. a smart TV's um, smart functions inside the box all the time. They might have some yep. of it, but it, it's yep. it's not going to be complete. It's not going to be as, as effective. So that's the really the big reason. If you're not using a streaming service, if you're using a traditional cable um, or satellite to watch TV on a on a TV set, these universal remotes will still work fine. They should work pretty, still should work pretty good in most cases. But the minute you start bringing in that streaming service box that is not going to use IR and is going to be reliant on other technologies, those uh, those universal remotes of the of the of older are no longer viable. Um, where you start to have to looking at some other systems and I will higher say end. I, yep. higher end and they're pricey. I mean, they are yeah. pricey systems to yep. get into. Um, you know, I'm going to bring up an example here of one that I mean, I think everybody knows the, or has at least heard of, you know, the Logitech, the Harmony, mm-hmm. it's kind of the, the flagship. That's the one that, you know, if you think about yeah. really comprehensive remote controls, universal remote controls, really the, the Logitech Harmony platform is kind of what, everybody gravitates to, but you are going to pay for, for this. Uh, yep. You know, here's a great example of what they sell, which is you have a hub, that little disc device that you would hook up and have somewhere nearby that could kind of pick up all your signals from your remotes. You've got a physical remote control, as you can see, has a little digital screen on it. Uh, and then you also have a smartphone app that will, mimic many of the same functions as the physical remote that you can use your smartphone and it all works together with all your devices. Um, When you get into this mode, Brian, of a universal remote and you go a little higher end, you get some really great features that you would not have on a more traditional universal remote, such as the idea of um, having like, for example, Logitech uses the terminology activities, but it could be scenes or it could be, little automation steps where you say, look, I want this to be where if I click this button on my universal remote, I not only want the TV to come on, but I want the volume level to be here. I want uh, other things to happen at one time. And these universal remotes are now getting smart enough to connect with your home uh, automation side of things like your Amazon, uh, Alexa, or Siri to say, look, I also want you to dim the lights whenever this happens too. So all that can be kind of mapped together into these new, newer, higher end or uh, universal remotes uh, from companies like Logitech. There's other ones that make some, but I think Logitech yeah. is the one that most people think of. Um, yeah. And is this similar to what you've got going in? Yes. Other yeah. So what I, what I have, I, I brought my, the physical remote, which you can see here. It's the old version, a very old version of what you're seeing up there. Let me get it see a little bit better. No, yeah. Go ahead and show us that again. So, so it's a physical, it's a physical remote, all physical buttons. Um, but this connects to the same disc that you just saw um, that I actually have sitting on a shelf in the very back of my room, my living room. Uh, and that disc is the one that blasts out the signal. So it's all Wi-Fi. So when I click my physical remote, it's going to that, you know, that little blaster that then sends the signal out to whatever it needs to send it to Wi-Fi, IR. Um, so it can send out an infrared. So I, I do have to, when I put it up on the shelf, because there is some things that are IR, like my TV, it turns on via uh, IR. I have to have that directionally able to, mm-hmm. to see the TV. However, they do come with, you can't really see the back of it. I didn't bring it in, but um, the back of it also has some ways of plugging in some IR extenders like little cables that you can then mm-hmm. you can have this thing in a in a in a drawer, have the little tiny IR extender out that can point to your TV. So what's nice is that when you when you set it up, it's 
all it's done either via an app or on your uh, on your computer where you can go and say okay this is the device i have this is the model number and it knows by its library that that device is going to require an ir or this yeah. device is going to require bluetooth or, or this device is going to require wi-fi so everything gets it, set it's up an, it's an internet connected device i mean your actual yeah. remote is an internet device hopping onto your wireless network pulling yeah. information from online to make sure it's got all the right specs to work with any device you throw at it based on that model and model number. Yep. Yep. And it's, yeah. and it's great. Um, and, and that it also has the, you know, tons of opportunities to, as you mentioned, set scenes and do things mm-hmm. I could do. I guess I could do that with mine because I could go on and say, when I click this movie button at the top of my remote, dim my lights, turn this on, turn this on. And then I want to be controlling everything via this, and it sets that whole thing up. Um, I mean, I could probably, I could probably do lots of things. I could probably say turn these lights down to this level, but also turn off my notifications for this. I, you know, you could set yeah. lots of things to really set a scene. Um, it does take a little time to set these mm-hmm. up, um, so you'd probably have to be calling one of your, you know, brothers in tech to to try to help you out. But once you get it set up, it's pretty foolproof. I mean, yeah. I, I've rarely had any issues um, and you can do lots of creative things. I like can go in and say, when I do this, you know, do this particular element, then take a pause and then do this two seconds later and then do this three seconds later. If you've got something, maybe one of your devices that's pretty slow responding. So um, there's lots of things that you can create. I wonder if, and I'm asking this truly, I'm wondering, I because I have not gotten into the Logitech platform. I'm, exploring it right now, but I did want to bring up a note about Logitech in a moment, the Harmony platform, as we, I want to talk about smartphone, uh, using smartphones as your remotes in a moment. Yep. But let me ask a question, Brian, could it be with that one of these Logitech remotes or, or something higher end like this that also works with, um, you know, home kit or, or Amazon home mm-hmm. uh, devices, but could you set up a scene where, um, if a, a device you're watching something on has the capability for subtitles that you could have subtitles on or off. Do you know if that's a function on a remote? I'm asking truly out of the like, curiosity. I just oh, I'm, happen to I'm think sure about it, it is. I'm sure it is because, because when, I mean, you, when you set it up yeah. with the TV, let's say, um, mm-hmm. so I say, I've got a Samsung, it's this model. And then, um, you can tell it, well, I want, when I push this button, I want it to turn on and I want it to go to this input. But then there's all sorts of other dig down deeper things where you could say, you know, this button, which is on the, the normal TV remote is for subtitles. You know, I want you to then click this uh, and make that happen. Now, I don't know how it would happen. Here's here's the tricky part. So I tried to get really creative um, at my last house using this uh, this Harmony remote where I wanted to, you know, when I turn when I click a button, I wanted it to turn on my TV, turn on my Apple TV or activate my Apple TV. I wanted it to click over to my YouTube TV app. I wanted it to click on that app. So I actually had to program. Once you get to here, I want you to click right three times because that's where this app was on my app screen. Click on it, you know, and try to do that. And the problem is if you don't get the timing right, you know, it all of a sudden, if it's off a little bit, well, now you're opening up the wrong app and all of that. So if it's something that's that's on the streaming platform where you're telling it to use the um, the closed caption, I don't yeah. know if they all have that built in. They may. I mean, they're getting so good right now that some of them, I think the one you just brought up a minute ago, the elite, I think you can even tell it, you know, I want you to control Netflix this way. And some of its screen shows up as some of the Netflix, you know, favorites and all of that. So the re the reason I ask is, you know, thinking about, uh, family members or friends that may be wanting, may find value in a universal remote Mm. that can really control everything. You know, again, thinking about if you've got to want to make it as easy as possible for a family member where they don't have to have five different remotes floating around their table they want to do it universal, but they are using a streaming TV box and they're using other other services. Some of these scenes or activities, like what I was showing that the the Harmony calls it the activities where you program a sequence of things to happen or different devices to be controlled. I could almost see one scene of 
I want to watch movie. But then another scene is I want to watch movie with subtitles on because, mm-hmm. you know, maybe I'm watching it later at night and I don't want to have the volume up as much, or I just may need some, I'm watching a film that I'm having a hard time um, making up. Yeah. In other words, I know trying to get to the closed captioning sometimes can be a little yeah. tricky yeah. on uh, some, some services and some streaming devices. It'd be nice if that could be something programmed on a universal remote system mm-hmm. like that too. Yeah. I mean, yeah. great. I showed the elite, which is the highest end. I mean, I think we're talking like $350 to get this yep. remote control yep. system, which sounds really crazy high for a remote control, but it is meant to be that all in one, it will work with everything in your, your space. And the fact that you can set up those macros or uh, preset activities is what's uh, pretty exciting yeah. about that. So, yeah. And I think it's 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 made to be much more forward compatible, right? That when new things come out, that's simply a matter of them updating their online database of commands rather than yeah. you having to buy a new remote. Right. So there's right. going to be all sorts of new features coming out. So um, so I, I do I do love it. I would say I was a big proponent on needing to get physical buttons. And that's one thing I want to mention real quick. And that'll get us into our next topic, Alan, about using your phone or mm-hmm. using a an actual physical remote. I'm a huge fan of having physical buttons. Okay. Yep. And when I looked at this particular remote, there was a touchscreen only one that I was looking at. And then I realized, you know, for me, I needed physical buttons. Um, so Alan, let's, let's, Let's kind of set this up about our our discussion here, because I know you and I uh, both have some some uh, uh, strong strong feelings about this one way or the other. But um, so, as you mentioned earlier, Logitech Logitech has now started to move towards. You know, I think you told me this that they're no longer going to produce physical button remotes. Is that right? That's right. No, yeah, no the uh, Logitech buttons. Uh, what I have seen and what's been kind of promoted is that. They are going to stop making, manufacturing the physical devices. So like you see here, this is just an example of their elite system. Again, I'm, I'm, I'm only spotlighting Logitech because I do feel like that's kind of the, the main brand that people think of when they think about universal yep. remote systems now. But as you can see on this photo, the one on the right is a running on a smartphone. That is a smartphone version of their, their Harmony remote. So what we hear is that they're going to stop manufacturing physical remotes. And instead, I think there's going to be more of the mobile app offering that they use. So this is something that they're seeing a lot of shifting to. And that's part of the reason why they made that decision is they're seeing the proliferation of people using their smartphones as their universal remotes or any kind of remote control device for their various uh, audio video components. We already mentioned how the Apple TV, we have the physical remote that comes with it, but yeah. there's also a remote app on an iPhone that will very easily and quickly mimic all the same functionality of that rem- physical remote control on your smartphone. Uh, yeah. Other devices give you that same thing. Uh, Vizio TV sets have a really nice Vizio app that you can set up and that gives you all the level of control, every menu, every function on a TV set on your app as well, uh, on your mobile phone. So they're really seeing that that's where people are going, you know, and then the integration with uh, Amazon Alexa and Google home and so forth mm-hmm. starts to immediately make you say, all right, is it just smarter to use your phone as a remote control? Because you already have access yeah. to everything else there as well or not. And I think there's some pros and cons there, Brian. I, I love the idea because I'm somebody that I would rather keep up with fewer devices. And if I know I've got my one device in my pocket, that will do everything I need it to do, including remote control, all of my audio video devices. Yeah. Um, I like that, but there's some downsides to it uh, as well. well. Let's, let's, so let's, let's do, let's do our little uh, providing both sides here. So sure. let's talk okay. for a second about why, why would, why would a smartphone be a better remote control? So I'll, I'll, okay. I'll start real quick by the manufacturer's perspective. Now they they don't have to give you a physical remote. So one, they don't have to, to manufacture that, right? But two, any, any new feature they have, they can just push it out in the app. They don't have to push out a new remote, right? They don't have to change yes. anything. They can, Correct. they can upfit things, right? So I could see it from the manufacturer's perspective that they're probably giddy about this. I mean, they could probably stop 
you know, putting IR sensors in their in their televisions because they've already put a Wi-Fi sensor in there because they want you to have smart uh, smart features on your your TV, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. tell me tell me though why from a user you take the user's perspective and make the argument sure. why it'd be good to, to have that. Well, okay, uh, if you're if you're going to be more likely to lose a device somewhere in your house, I dare say you're probably less likely to lose your phone then you would be a small extra device that's just used for one purpose, meaning remote control your TV. Um, So I think convenience is one aspect of it. Most people have their phone on them all the time. Uh, It's accessible. It's easy to find, easy to use. So one less device to keep up with. Um, That's probably the biggest on the user side of things. And there's a little bit of comfort too. People who are very comfortable using their phone don't have to relearn another device to keep up with. Um, for me, that's about where the positives end. Yeah. Um, I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe looking at it as again, kind of, uh, future proofing, right? I mean, you you've got your phone sure. and so therefore you're not going to be buying a new remote. So put it this way, Alan, let's say that I, let's say you were going to go buy a used TV, mm-hmm. right? One of the ways in which a TV can really feel used <laughs> and not feel up to date is what you're holding in your hand to control it, right? If there's some funky functions or something like that. But if I just gave you a TV and it was a decent screen and there's, you know, there's TVs that are five years old that you could put on the wall and still look great right now. Mm-hmm. But if I said, here you go. And by the way, download the new app, which allows you to do everything you need to do on your phone. It feels like, oh, you know what? That's a great screen. Okay. That's all yeah, I needed. We've right? extended the, the lives of those screens a little bit. Yeah. Too. Yeah remote, the features are set, right? What you have there is kind of set and you, you hope that they put a remote that's going to feel good and be able to do things you want to do in the future. So, but I agree with you. I think that's it (laughs) to me. That's it Um, for me. Um, I'm not a fan of using my phone as a remote. Um, a, because I'm typically using my phone for other things and to, all of a sudden kind of tie it up as a remote when, you know, I I may want to use it for something else, or I may want to look up something while I'm sitting and watching things, or I may want to receive a phone call or check email to know that I've kind of got it set up as dedicated as a remote while I'm watching a show. And then have to kind of flip back to that app for the remote to control just simple things like volume level. It doesn't seem very, very smart. And uh, yeah, yeah. So again, now if somebody is pretty diligent and says, "Look, when I'm watching something or or uh, inter- being entertained at all, I'm my phone is off to the side. I'm not going to use it. I'm not going to need it for anything else." Then maybe this kind of works. Maybe you can flip it on yeah. and you're fine to go. Um, so, the other drawback: so movie, I, watching, I'm sorry, movie watching. Movie yeah. watching. Someone sits yeah. down and watches a movie. They set the volume up already. They start the movie, and for the next two hours, they're not going to be touching their phone. Hopefully. Sure. It's great. Right. Because you press that one button on your phone. It started everything up. It's good to go. But that's, I, and and maybe Alan, maybe this is where we're going to show our age a little bit, but um, you know, I think maybe the younger generation right now, they're not sitting down and just watching random kind of cable channels, Mm -hmm. right? They're sitting down to stream something (laughs) and they're sitting down to say, Hey, I found this go. Um, I mean, even, even what if I, what if I said airplay, Right, I found it on my phone, and I'm just airplaying it up. Well, in a sense, your phone becomes your remote, right? You're does, airplaying, yep. you do your volume, everything like that. So, I could see where, you know, companies are moving this way. Um, now, I'll give another reason why I absolutely cannot move towards um, having my phone that way is that another piece is that the moment I have to control volume or anything like that, I have to activate my phone. You know, let's say I'm watching a movie. Well, that means for me on my phone, I have to use Face ID in order to unlock it. So now I have to look at my phone, unlock it. Now the the light on my phone is the screen is on. It's distracting my movie watching or my TV watching, especially if I'm in kind of a, a movie mode. And then I have to actually look at it. I'm not good enough to, to have recognized, okay, that app is open and I can do everything by memory as to where that is, right? I mean, maybe I would if I used it enough, but I'm probably going to be looking down to try to make sure I'm clicking on things. I'm just not a fan at all at when you're in a TV movie mode, having to look down at a device to try to figure out. That's why touchscreens have never made sense to me in that environment. 
right? I don't want to be yeah, looking down to, to control it. I want to grab my remote and not look at it at all and know exactly where the volume is and where the, um, you know, forward uh, skip button is. So that's my big thing is that I, I think it becomes way too cumbersome. Um, now, if I lived alone, if I was single and I've got the phone up already anyway, and I'm not worrying about distracting someone else, and I, you know, I've gotten comfortable doing whatever I need to do. Maybe that's fine, right? Maybe that's not a big yeah. deal. Um, well, so and that's the other that's the other disadvantage I was going to bring up. You just mentioned if you live alone and or, or, or by by yourself, and or you're the only one using the devices, it might make a little more sense to use your smartphone as a remote. The minute you introduce other people into the household, then that means that everybody would have to have the remote, same remote right. app on their smartphone. Because, you know, if I'm watching something, but yet somebody else in the room wants to turn up the volume or, or, or do something else, I've either got to give them my phone and say, well, here, go ahead and use my phone to control the app, or they've got to have the same app installed and we got to make sure that they can still control it simultaneously too. It just becomes yeah. a lot more coordination involved. And yeah. I don't know if that's yeah. really the best move. Um, I'll tell you what's probably a smart move in a lot of cases, Brian. And again, this is not for everybody because it's a little more costly to do. But if you had an additional extra uh, iPhone or mobile device or even a small iPad mini that was just dedicated as a remote, yep. and meaning there was no cell phone service on it, you know, nobody uses it on a regular basis. It's truly meant for that. The only things that's installed on it are these remote app or apps then that that becomes something a little more viable because then you can really be using apps as your remotes and not have to worry about it. But it eliminates a lot of the issues we just talked about, about using yep. your own personal phone for it. So yep. that's something yep. I have seen some people do. I've considered it myself, having a little, a very simple iPad mini that just kind of sits on a little, a little stand. And it's just, that is my complete control. And if I wanted to give control to somebody else, I just hand it to them. And yep. Um, it doesn't tie up anything. It doesn't tie up my phone use or anything else. So that may be something to consider for people. If you really like the idea of using a smartphone, but you want to get away from those disadvantages we talked about, that may yep. be the way to do it. So, yeah. Well, and, and what you bring up is I think in an ideal world. So Alan, you, you have your, you have your movie theater at your house, mm -hmm. right? Where you assume that you're going to have either friends or, well, Sorry. If you had friends, they would probably be able to come over and watch. But certainly you could make your kids sit there and watch with you, right? Make um, them, yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But what I do like is is to me, well, you mentioned like a, a, a little mini, a little tablet, right, that can be used. I personally think a tablet is a smarter remote control than even a phone might be. Okay. Because the tablet to me opens up a whole different level of, yeah, there you go, a whole different level of use case, right? Because now, the, one of the things I think is this, the future of movie watching is going to be this integration of what I'm seeing on the screen and what else I could learn about this movie or something. So I could see the, the tablet having some of the other info, like here's where this actor is also in, because the number of times my wife and I sit there and say, uh, where do we know that actor from? What are they? What were they in? Right to have that kind of there as a way of enhancing your your experience, but also to be able to control what's going on. I see that as a better move, especially given that it's not your phone. Your phone, I think, is just always going to be a problem, and that it's tied up with other things, right? Whether it's notifications or any of that that's coming through. Uh, I would say if you decide to go that route, because I have done this before with. Um, uh, home security cameras. I used an old iPhone that I had, put it up on a, mm -hmm. uh, on a, um, uh, uh, up on the shelf in my living room at one point and had it simply just be my home security. It would recognize when movement was happening and give me a, notif a notification. You have to have power. I mean, let's think about the difference between a remote control mm -hmm. and your phone. I mean, your phone, what I could, I could maybe have it last two days, sitting yep. on a, uh, a coffee table, whereas a remote could last six months uh, without batteries. So if you're going to do it, the beauty is now if you've got a newer phone that is inductive charging, maybe you have a little, you know, uh, a little Qi charger on the side and you just set it down and it's always charging when you're, when yeah. you're not in use. But that's not the way I use remotes right now, right? I just kind of throw it down on the coffee table and want to pick it up later. So yeah. all these are little things you just need to think about if you're going to move to one of these creative 
you know, either moving to a uh, all-in-one or trying to use a smartphone as as a, as a remote. Just keep in mind there are some there are some downsides, so be aware of those as you're making that decision. So, well, Brian, I really think the world of remote controls is going to fall into one of two camps over time. I mean, Logitech's decision to stop making uh, uh, physical remotes is kind of a a harbinger of that. We're either going to be left with very uh, specific uh, streaming device remotes that can also do some other ancillary things like turn on and off TV and turn up and down volume, which we already have. Because again, if people are kind of standardizing on using a streaming box as their main source of entertainment, then the device that would actually remote control that that particular streaming box is going to be the item you're going to be using a majority of the time. So yep. using that and that's it and you're fine. People who want more control and to tie it in with home automation and other things, I think your options are going to be smartphone apps to do that um, over yep. time. Yep. So that becomes a little bit of a, a decision point for you. Yes, the Logitech remotes, uh, other companies that make similar universal remote systems are still going to be making them for a while. Logitech will be stopping at some point. I don't know when the date is on that, but um, they're still available. You can still buy older ones. But if you're really looking at where the where we're heading with remote controls, it's going to be one of those yeah. two options, I think. Yeah, yeah. And I think, well, like you I- said, I think a lot of the TV and sound system manufacturers are just going to say, hey, man, you just download an app. On your phone, and we're you we're solid. Everything. We gave you yep. everything control wise you need. It's just yep. is that really what is going to work best for your personal situation? For us, we're saying it's not. But then that means we've got to look at some sort of um, dedicated device, or just be happy with the Apple TV remote or the Amazon Fire yep. remote or whatever it may be, and, and hope that that's going to suffice for everything we need to do. So yeah, yeah. well, I will say um, I I have a hope that eventually like voice commands, uh, maybe even gestures. Some of those things yep. can be used, utilized a little bit more effectively rather than having this thing that's going to get caught in the cushions and you can't find it and all of that, which is, you know, having a physical device like that. To me, I would much prefer to be sitting watching a movie. And if I wanted it to pause, just to say pause, rather than mm-hmm. picking up a device, pressing a button so that I could speak to it yeah. and say pause. Right. You know, if I, if I said, hey, I'm in movie mode right now, my wife and I are sitting here, we're both in movie mode. Either one of us could speak up and say pause so that we could quickly talk to each other about something. I think that would be super cool, right? There's lots of issues with that because, of course, the voice of this movie is going to be caught in all that cycle. But I think I think that's where things ought to go or be, you know, maybe it's, hey, once you raise raise your hand, right, there's a little kind of sensor on the front that's going to pause <laughs> things so that you don't have to actually, yep. you know, disturb everyone else. I think yep. there's lots of things that, that could happen that could make it a, a, a more enjoyable experience. Um, you know, for me right now, physical buttons are still needed because that's the way I interact with it. But if it were to jump to that level to where it would be ease of use, um, yeah, I could see that. So, well, and can well, I just mention real quickly here, I, sure. I want to make sure we we kind of wrap things up here. Just if you if you are considering remote control, like do you, using your universal or trying to figure out how to how to control your things, think about the function, right? What does it need to do? What does it need to control? What are the um, what's the connection of those things? Is one of them Wi-Fi? Is one of them IR? Or it's all of a sudden that's going to change the type of device you need. Um, can you do everything with the remote that you already have? And maybe you haven't taught it yet. Alan, I, I think I mentioned to you, you know, that the Apple TV remote, which I have sworn off because I couldn't get it to work my Sonos system as easily. I had to actually set it up every time and say, oh, now connect again and AirPlay. Mm-hmm. I finally, you know, last night taught the Apple TV to use the volume for my Sonos, which I had yeah. another universal remote control that I had set up because Sonos doesn't have his own remote. Mm-hmm. So I had to teach another remote for the volume. And now I taught my Apple TV. So now when I turn it on, the volume itself is working, the, the Sonos just fine. I don't have to go and re, nice. re-engage it every time, which I was having to do before. So if you've got the capability of teaching or doing some learn functions, um, then maybe the remote you have is all right. And maybe you're not using it to its fullest potential. Um, so think about all those things. Do you really need physical buttons? Do you, are you okay? Are you going to be using your phone in other ways? All of those are considerations to keep in mind and, um, uh, and hopefully find the right way to uh, control your, you know, your, uh, 
your system uh, from afar. So, all right. Yep. Yeah. It's remote controls. I didn't, I, I'm shocked that we just spent 52 minutes talking about remote controls, but Alan, we can talk about, we you know what, Brian, you give us a topic. And for 50 we, minutes, exactly. You know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, we could, we could still, I've got plenty more. We could probably say about remote controls, but no, we're going to, yeah. we're going to table it for now. I think again, uh, as Brian kind of summed up, you got all some decisions to make about, the type of remote controls that you want to have, but understand and just keep in mind the headwinds are moving us in the direction of using a mobile device, smartphone as your remote control, or just using and being able to add more functionality to these standard remotes that come with your streaming devices. That's kind of the two places I just see us all yeah. heading one or the other. And uh, I'd love to see more on the voice side, uh, voice control for remote controls. Uh, yep. Yeah, I think there's a lot of ways that we could go further, but where we are right now, that's kind of the two options we're going to be looking at, I think, for sure. Um, oh, Alan, I just thought, so gestures, what if we had an Apple TV box or a TV that would recognize when my head nods that I've fallen asleep, that it would just pause, pause there. it? Pause the, so the next show time I wake up, and wait till it can see your turn. eyes again. Oh yeah. my gosh, that would be fantastic, right? Attention, attention capability. Uh, I mean, now, now Microsoft kind of, Microsoft's already had some close to that with their Connect system and uh, play, uh, Sony with the PlayStation yep. mapping yep. movements, and they can actually see your face. Your phone can already detect your face and detect, see face movements. Yep. You blend that all together into a streaming TV device. Um, I'm still waiting for the streaming TV device that actually has uh, a webcam uh, and microphone system capability where you could use it for automatic Zoom calls and all that and have it yep. be where it could yep. recognize your faces and people on the screen so it can have some of that level of control. Um, yep. yep. It's all possible. You know cool. it's going to happen. You know it's, it's going to happen. happen at some point. It's going to happen. As yep. more and more people are still doing uh, – teleconference, FaceTime calls and all that video calls to be able to sit in your living room and have it in front of your TV and talk to your, your family over that. It's going to happen. So, well, if it it could recognize when I fall asleep and know that it needs to replay that portion of the movie, um, be well worth it. Well worth it. so. So it actually comes up and says, Oh, uh, good morning, Brian. Wake, welcome back to, back to the living. And we're going to, pick up the show where you, where you nodded off. So, yeah. Because yeah, and especially it's going to say, by the way, yeah. we continued to play the movie because your wife was still awake, right. but we're going to now pick up again that you're watching. Oh, it's where marked you where off. you fell asleep. Oh yes. And say, yeah, Hey yeah, Brian, yeah. would you like to come back and, and pick up from where you left off right. before? Um, right. Yeah. By the way, I, I, your, your, your spouse is now five episodes ahead of you. Because you right. fell asleep. So, <laughs> your, yeah. your spouse has completely finished this series and right. uh, is moving on. So yeah, yeah it's good. All, All right, right, man. Well, remote controls. Uh, interesting stuff. Uh, thanks for chatting, Brian, as always. Enjoy. Yeah. It. Um, yeah, that if good. people are also big uh, remote control aficionados out there and want to talk about what they're doing with remote controls, uh, maybe a favorite one they've got something they're using, mm-hmm. How can they get a hold of us? Well, you're exactly right. If you have a, uh, if you're really, really good at programming remote controls like Alan, if you're that dying breed, then uh, send us an email at on the screen here info at the mesh.tv. That's info at the mesh.tv and tell us uh, your favorite. Uh, programming code uh, steps that you've used in your remotes in the past and uh, and what kind of remote uh, suggestions you have for us. And we'll be glad to pass those along. So info at the mesh.tv. Yep. And just as a reminder too, as I mentioned at the head, top of the show, we do have a website up and running for our show. It's brothers yes. in tech, but it's with dashes. So brothers dash in dash tech.com. It's where you can go and find uh, ways to subscribe to the audio version of the show, or you can also uh, watch the new video versions that we have up. We're also going to be putting up posts of any brothers and tech suggestions that we make different products and devices. We're going to have listings of those over time that you'll be able to see as we build those out and uh, any other news posts or anything else interesting yeah. in the world of home and family tech we want to share. We're going to have it up there. So we do encourage you to join huge. us. Yeah. It's going to be huge, Alan. I mean, yeah. Oh, yeah, I think so. <laughs> and uh, feel free to drop us a note, too. There's a contact form right at the bottom of the main page where you can just drop us a quick note if you have a question or suggestion or anything else we can uh, we can work with. 
All right. Great. Well, thanks oh, no. for watching and or listening to Brothers in Tech here on the Mesh.TV podcast network. My name is Alan Jackson. That Brian Jackson up is no. Brian Jackson. Yeah, and uh, thanks a lot for watching or listening, everyone. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.